Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Reconciling Grace. This is Pete Vecchi, and I'm glad to be with you today. Our panel today consists of Vicki Cundiff, Don McDonald, who's known as Pastor Mac or P-Mac, and joining us remotely is Mick Wells. And what we're doing today is having part two of our discussion called Ministry During a Pandemic. During our previous session, we really didn't get a whole lot into the ministry aspect. We more or less um, talked about how things have affected us maybe personally and uh in various other ways. And today we're going to be focusing more on the ministry aspect of things. But before we do get into that, I think, um, Don, there was one of the scriptures that we didn't get to last time that I'd like to have you read. It's from Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. And then, Mick, I'm going to just throw it right to you after that, uh, because I know there was something that you wanted to say about that scripture. So when he's done reading, I'm just going to let you go ahead. Okay. okay, thank you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Yeah, I was thinking that uh, worrying is counterproductive. It, there's nothing added to our lives through worrying, and we're discouraged from worrying from the words of the Lord. You know, we we're told in Matthew 6:27 that we can't add a single hour to our life through worrying. So the focus of that verse seems to be on trusting God for what we need from a day-to-day basis, not going out and, as I mentioned off, off camera and offline, not going out and hoarding toilet paper. That Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And that's what God did for the Israelites when they were wandering in the wilderness with, with the manna. They were instructed to take what they needed and not save it until the morning like a breakfast snack because it's, it's spoiled. God gave them what they needed on a daily basis. And I think we can eliminate the worry and trust God to meet our needs on a daily basis. That's a great insight. Hmm. I like that. Well, that really does kind of go along with what we want to focus on today because we need to rely on God to provide for us in our world of ministry as well. And um, we talked, as I said last time, a little bit about how the closing down, the shutdowns have affected us, have affected us personally. Um, but what kinds of challenges or changes in the ways that we've had to do ministry have taken place? Um, let me just go ahead and start, and then I'm going to um, bring it over to Don. Um, for me, it's really been a different situation because I'm not regularly preaching, for instance. Um, I'm on the radio. Well, radio was essential, so I can continue being on the radio However, our Reconciling Grace programs were basically 
cut back. Um, for those of you who have listened every week, thank you. Uh, you have heard what we call encore presentations of those. You can hear those also on podcasts. But um, we have not been able to be in the studio to come together to re- to uh, record new programs until uh, this last program and this one right today that we're doing. Um, so that changed a little bit. Uh, but what was really interesting for me is I've really been trying to focus on having opportunities to preach. I've just sensed the Lord giving me more opportunities to preach. And suddenly I had three Sundays in a row scheduled to preach. And the second one happened right before the churches were told to close down. And it was literally a congregation of five people. And I think four of them were over 80. There was actually a lady there who was over 100 years old in that congregation. And um, they just said, we're not going to meet this week. And then the following week, when I was scheduled to be at another church, they basically said, we can't do it anymore. We're shut down. And so suddenly, here I was finally getting a chance to preach, and I wasn't able to do so. But it was really interesting because my good friend of 45 or more years, Pastor Mac, P. Mac, Don, I just know him as Don, um, was doing something really interesting, and that was streaming services online. And you said something during one of those services, Don, that uh, just really spoke to me, and I talked to you a little bit about it beforehand. Uh, would you be able to share with that? I, I think the thing that touched me the most, especially that first Sunday in... Um pandemic was the power of the gathered church proclaiming Christ on social media. If we had not had the pandemic, churches would have not felt the call to proclaim Christ on social media. I mean, the the church sort of was trying to, before COVID-19, in my estimation, humbled, um, sort of ignore social media, sort of say it's something that we try to keep distance from. Now, for us as a church, we had been on Facebook Live for about two years just doing the sermon because I had shut-ins that when I preach, I preach as much with my body as I do my voice, and they wanted to see the total presentation, shall we say. Um, and so we had been doing Facebook Live for like two years, but to turn on Facebook Live that particular Sunday, I found myself saying, Holy Spirit, the church is exploding today on social media. And it was a God moment for me that, you know, I always believe God moves in the darkest times to penetrate that light of Christ in the darkest times for a reason. And so for me, it was like, Lord, just pray, bless these churches that are proclaiming Christ online. And and I didn't worry if it was Baptist or Reformed or Nazarene. The church was coming alive online and and that just touched me deeply um in in hearing and seeing and experiencing that moment which i believe i did touch on in a sermon now that i think about it you did and and the reason i know this is because one of the few things we were able to do still was go outside and take walks now i must admit i wasn't watching but i was listening to your message right that was online and I can still remember where I was in my walk yeah. when I heard you say those words. And it wasn't live. I was listening after afterwards, the fact. Because yeah. of fighting buffering. Right, yes. right. But I was listening afterwards, and I remember where I was on my walk. And it was just 
how profound that was because you were literally at that time about to pray or actually praying for the pastors yep. who are suddenly going to see the the scope of their ministry increase. And let me just say this. I'm not saying this because of numbers or because of anything that I am, um, you know, wanting to give glory to myself, but I just sensed the Lord after that say to me, you need to do some online sermons. Correct. Not every day, Correct. not every Sunday, but just as I was. I shared just a few minutes ago how the last Sunday I preached, I think there were five people in the congregation. The first Sunday I preached online, I think it showed there were over 300 views. Right. And it's like, if this is happening, I'm not saying it because of me, but I'm saying if this is happening worldwide, as you said, Don, the the whole uh, word of God is getting out there even more so than anything that we could have asked or imagined. Even though there's a bad thing happening with this pandemic, correct? God is using it. Correct. Yes. And I think a very significant form of ministry that happened was inside the home. You know, people were having family devotions and admitting that they had never had them before. They were having their personal devotions when they had never been having them before. And so, you know, we kept hearing about that, how ministry was happening there, and the Word of God tells us to do that. I know for my own children when they were growing up, you know, God had impressed that on me uh, early on when I became a Christian, like during that first year. And I said, I've been raising these kids as best as I know how, but I don't know how to do it through you. And He really directed me in that, that as a parent, it was my job to raise my children. It's great to take them to church and raise them in the Lord. It was great to take them to church and have Sunday school and Bible school and youth group and all these different things, but to also my responsibility of teaching them and training them in the Lord like the Bible tells us. And I think we heard a lot of that of people saying that, you know, and we're not going to turn back from this. We're going to keep this up. Yeah. So that was a great thing that happened as well. And I think it's important for us to realize that you know, I don't I don't have the scripture in front of me, but I believe it was in First uh, Corinthians three where Paul talks about the fact that God gave Paul one ministry, He gave Apollos another ministry. You know, one 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 uh, sowed the seed, another one watered, and God gives ministries in His time based on what needs to be done. So, Mick, I'm not trying to pick on you here, but knowing that you. Uh, as you said last time, and I'm going to say this this time again because uh, some people may not have heard the first one, you are quarantining yourself, and you have been quarantining yourself um, a lot more. Now, maybe the opportunities for ministry have not presented themselves to you so much, or, or maybe they have. What has been your experience? Well, as has uh, been pointed out here, that uh, we've had to make use of uh, virtual realities here. I've I've uh, tuned into your sermons online, Pete, and I understand well, thank you. Uh, what Don uh, is describing about uh, the opportunity to use the online ministries. Vicki, I'm not sure if, uh, if you have something like that, but when, when I'm here by myself, quarantined, God still has a purpose for me and a leading for me to minister within the world that I have. And so uh, the Holy Spirit has laid upon my heart to reach out to uh, former co-workers, to friends, um, and I'm finding that based on the world situation, you know, just like when 
the year 2000 came along, people got interested in in going to church. I find that people are there's an increased awareness of their mortality, of spiritual things, of uh, there's a greater receptivity to the gospel of Jesus Christ, whether I am able to see somebody uh, converted to faith in Christ or just plant a seed, as you say, Pete. But there's an increased focus out there in the people we're trying to minister to, and so I think that that's how God uses these times for us to uh, take advantage of people's increased receptivity uh, to things of God. That's great to so know. I, I guess uh, what I wanted to say too, Pete, was that I've been using emails and posts, and I've been using my time to research what the Bible says about this and that in an effort to share um, through online means and that's about, since I haven't had a direct audience face-to-face -face with anyone uh, to speak of, so um, that's how he's been using me. He's also given me a greater awareness of the persecuted church. Uh, if you look in the right places in terms of, of uh, news reports, you can see that Christians are being persecuted really heavily around the world right now. And the perpetrators get by with this almost with immunity from a, a secular standpoint. So it's in it's refocused my prayer life too. That's great. And I didn't mean to cross talk over you last time. It's just a slight delay when uh, you're online with us this way. But I do know it's time for us to take a quick break for our sponsor. So we will be right back with Reconciling Grace. And we're back with Reconciling Grace. We are talking about ministry during a pandemic, and we just got done talking about um, how the shutdowns have changed some of the ways that we've been ministering to people. And I'd like to pick up from there with this question. Now, I don't necessarily want us to name names, especially if we know people personally, but what types of situations have we seen people have to face that maybe they wouldn't have even been thinking about or that that wouldn't have had been maybe a concern even say as the first of the year or even in February as we're talking about this what kinds of things as Christian ministers have we seen people have to deal with that uh, maybe it's just something totally different than anything they thought they'd ever have to deal with well there was a lot of death and sickness and you know if you had a funeral you had to do it differently you know, then uh, we had one recently uh, at our church, and you couldn't go near the family or anything. So you came and you social distanced where you were sitting, like we do for church. But you mostly just went in and, and you went out. And all, after they dismissed the family, you could go ahead and go up and um, see uh, at the casket and see the person there if you wanted to. But it was so much more disconnected. And so, you know, you make those personal contacts with the family, but you know, you couldn't hug their neck, you know, or, or anything. So that's just, a, there's just a lot of uh, things like that where, you know, pastoring and ministry was just affected in that way that you didn't have that kind of contact uh, that you normally uh, would have had. And um, a lot of people lost their jobs and there was financial issues. And you would have known at the beginning of the year that all these kind of things were going to happen to people. 
And uh, I do know uh, a few people that had medical issues that was not attended to because they were kind of pushing all that stuff back. And for one uh, young man, it affected his bipolar and his meds, and it went, and he ended up uh, losing the job that he had and going back into uh, that state, you know, of um, mentally, you know, and somebody that had a heart attack because she wasn't able to go in there and they didn't tend to the test that she had. And so it was just different kind of things like that that was happening to people um, from the negative point of view of, of how this affected people and, and not really being able to go to those hospital visits, you know, people that had loved ones in the hospital or the nursing homes or whatever, and you couldn't go there. So it, it, in ministry, it was it just affected greatly in those ways for the people contact. Yeah. It kind of we hear these things kind of in the periphery of the news these days. Um, we always focus on how many new COVID um, cases have there been, how many new deaths, but you only hear a little bit about all these things that people have been suffering through because they can't go out, and whether they're mental health issues or physical health issues and other things like that. Now, Mick, um, during the break, you were talking a little bit about. Um, persecutions even. Uh, you said some great things. Can you recall what it was? Because I wish we would have had the microphones on then because what you said was great. Well, I was just thinking that uh, once in a while we get evidence that we don't hear all the news. Maybe we hear a, a lopsided side of the news, but recently I was made aware from a, a conservative website of persecuted Christians, a pastor up in Seattle, for instance, trying to, to do street ministry to those uh, people in that autonomous zone up there was literally beaten up and the press didn't report it. They didn't seem to care. And it just made me aware that right now with all the stuff going on, uh, the, uh, the protests, the lawlessness, on the heels of or maybe in tandem with the COVID-19 issue, we've got issues where Christians with the leading of the Holy Spirit are trying to carry out the Great Commission and they're being persecuted for it. They're being um, hammered, if you will, and ignored. They, they really need to be lifted up in prayer because the Bible tells us to share in their trials that they're going through as if we ourselves are going through them. And so the conditions out there in the world lead me to focus my prayer, among other things, upon the persecuted Christians, not just overseas, but here in our own country. A lot of times we don't realize what persecution is in this country, and it is starting to come home a little bit more than what we do realize. I'm not saying it hasn't happened here, but... You, you kind of alluded to it, Mick, that sometimes we think about these things that happen overseas, but it's happening more and more here now. And, you know, besides persecution, uh, there's one thing that, um, Don, I was asking you about a little bit before. Um, you mentioned nursing home ministries. Um, how has that affected people that you see in nursing homes? I know I, I'm going to share this real quick, and then I'm going to get to you on this, that one thing that really touched my heart and made me very, very sad was I was looking at a Facebook post. I shared this with you off off mic. I was looking at a Facebook post from a friend of mine whose whose mother had uh, had to go into a nursing home just uh, probably a few weeks before this whole COVID thing happened. And all of a sudden she was shut away from her 
family. And this wasn't like nursing home um, because this is her last place to go. No, this was supposed to be rehab. And all of a sudden, this lady is in the nursing home. And I saw the picture. The picture was taken. The lady was sitting on her bed looking out the window. And the picture was taken from behind the lady. And peering into her window, waving at her and smiling, were her daughter and son-in-law. And it just seemed to me, I, I felt so bad for that lady because it almost was like, and, and I hate to say this in a, in a negative way, but it, it seemed to me like people were looking at animals in a zoo and there, there's no touch. There's no there's no um, emotional support except for I can see you. It almost reminded me of when you see the uh, people, if you go into jail and you can kind of touch your, your hand to the hand on the window, it's supposedly supposed to make them feel better, but does it really? I don't know. But Don, what have you seen as far? Because I know that you actually, as a pastor, have been dealing with people in nursing homes. I think um, talking to one of my uh, parishioners who's in a nursing home right now, they've been eating, they've been staying in their room 24-7. They're not allowed to eat with other you know, residents, they're not allowed to go out and converse with other residents. So that sense of isolation is huge right now in the nursing home setting. And the staffs are trying real hard, to, you know, to correct that. They're, you know, they're creating carnival-like environments every once in a while just to try to break the monotony of that. So I think, you know, that's the first one. And then the second one that came to my mind is when we have people who are dealing with dementia, one of the battles that you do with dementia is try to keep a rhythm of life. Well, part of the rhythm of life for some of my uh, parishioners is seeing family regularly. Well, when that disappeared, um, the dementia became more pronounced. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, that loss of connection with family really became an issue that caused greater issues for that one particular parishioner. Mm -hmm. So it, it definitely has weighed heavy the pandemic has weighed heavy on our elderly. Right. And I, light. and I don't know if we mentioned this during this uh, particular episode we did last time, but you are coming from Illinois where things still are less opened up as we are recording this than they are in Ohio. Correct. We're, we're probably the more restrictive state in the United States right now. And so it's made it really unique in uh, doing ministry at, at huge because we were told only 10 at phase three for worship and so all of a sudden it went to 100 really quick. So it's been unique in trying to do ministry within the most restrictive state in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, we've had to get creative. One of the things that I'd like to look at here, we have just a few minutes left today. Um, one of the things that I really appreciate about Don being here, Don, you're, you're not Nazarene like I am or like Vicky is or, or Wesleyan like uh, Mick is. You actually come to us from the Reformed Church, and, and we count you as a brother in Christ. I mean, I always have, honestly. Even to, though I'm totally depraved, I know. Yeah, well, you know how that is. We're not. We're getting into a lot of theology here. We are one in the Lord. That's right. Amen. And that's one of the things that I've always wanted this uh, program to, to stress is that there are so many different denominations, yeah. but if we believe in Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior, as we say, uh, there's there's full agreement that the only way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's that's the main thing we're doing here. So when I'm talking about this now, I'm going to talk about the church, and I'm not talking about a specific denomination or congregation, but just in general, how is the church responding? You know, what what message is the church giving? What are people's questions for those of us in ministry? How are we answering those questions? Does anybody have any insights on that? 
Well, my first thought, Pete, was that we all almost have to define what do we mean by church because there's as, as many approaches and opinions as there are denominations which we're not citing. So I don't think the body of Christ acts uniformly or with consensus as their approach to this. So we almost have to get into into uh, particulars because um, because we're so diverse in the first place. So you, when you talk about how's the church responding, you almost have to get into it on an anecdotal or case-by-case basis. That's my thought. Yeah, and I agree because, I mean, there are, there are churches that, and I hate using the words liberal and conservative, but let's, let's think about those in theological perspectives rather than um, political perspectives. Now, there are churches that, that are far to one side and churches that are far to the other side. And so, Mick, you bring up a great point. So maybe what we need to do here in our limited amount of time that we have is just maybe look at it through the lens of how have maybe our congregations or what we have seen, um, how have we been been dealing with that? What What is the church responding with? How is the, the uh, what is the message the church is giving just in general? I think I, I spent quite a bit of time on the acronym DEPLOYED. Um, my, my sermon series, um, which I just finished here recently, is trying to teach people that even though we're not in the building, Christ is still present in the world. The building does not define Christ. The people do, the priesthood of believers serving one another. And so I, I spent a lot of time on that concept of even though we're deployed, Christ is still alive. Christ is still relevant. We are called to be the voice of Christ in lawlessness, in the brokenness. And maybe it's teaching us as Christians to rely more on him and not so much on each other, you know, in the church and coming to him with things and uh, trusting him. There's a scripture that um, I have here, Isaiah 26, 3. It says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts uh, are fixed on you. And, you know, we if we would constantly focus on just what the media as a whole would tell us, what the world tells us, social media has us good and it's bad. We've talked about it's good. But if we focused on all that negativity and all that criticism, and the stats are mostly about the deaths and the sickness and not on the well mm-hmm. people. And if there's this almost, I kind of hate to say it this way, almost like fear-mongering uh, that happens. And uh, and so if we would focus on that all the time, and and I know it years ago I, I started noticing that during the uh, election, you know, the almost, well, almost four years ago now, and all that negativity that was out there all the time. And when that happens and you do that, you feel that maybe anger, you feel the anxiety, you fear the fear, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I think that it should teach us also to just trust in Jesus, focus on Him, not focus on uh, these other things, uh, and just focus on Him and, and let trusting in Him. And maybe it can help us to do that and to trust Him more and more when we're in a situation that's totally out of our control. But He's in control. Yep, and I agree. And, you know, we are. I keep talking about the time. That's because 
there's so much more we can get into. And one of the things that this almost seems like this wants to segue into is, have people been talking to us about the end times, about the return of Christ? And, you know, that's going to be another uh, subject unto itself, as Mick would like to say usually. Um, But I'd like to maybe get into that at some other point. But right now, we are pretty much at the end of our session. And I'd just like to close with this scripture from Psalm 4610. God says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So for Vicki Cundiff, for P. Mac, Pastor Mac, Don McDonald, for Mick Wells, this is Pete Vecchi. Thank you for joining us today for Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.